Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, January the 10th. And our top story today is that a children's doctor has admitted arranging to meet an underage boy for sex in the grounds of a Kent hospital. Salman Siddiqui, who's an intensive care paediatrician, was arrested at Margate's QEQM on Sunday following a sting by an amateur detective. The so-called paedophile hunter had pretended to be a 14-year-old boy. Well, he's spoken to the podcast and we've disguised his voice to protect his identity. He boasted that he was a doctor for Amy and he got very quick that he wanted to meet. Um, I arranged, because it was a hospital, to arrange to meet him at 7 o'clock the following evening um, at, a, at a location away from the hospital. But it was raining and he cancelled. And a couple of hours later, he told me to come to his student accommodation within the hospital grounds um, and come to meet him at 4 a.m. Um, I sort of set up a wee, wee observation post around about half three and then sent him a location to the man was outside. He made a run for it, though, didn't he? Or tried to. He ran into the he, hospital. He did. He did. He did. And, and surprisingly that he had a pager and uh, a little plastic white card and he was running through A and E, and I was chasing him, obviously, um, saying that there was a perpetrator, a doctor's perpetrator, running through. He's using his electric car to open the door wards. I'm chasing him through A and E. It was crazy at four o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm on the phone to nine nine nine, and as I'm running through the ward, speaking to um, the, the police. There was children on the bloody board, and you know it, it, it hurt because there was a pedophile running through, and I'm talking sexual allegations and stuff to the phone, and these children are being exposed to this. Yeah, eventually he was arrested. Um, you must have been very pleased to hear that he appeared in court incredibly quickly. He was charged very quickly, appeared in, in court the following day, and admitted the charges straight away. Yeah, he was left with no defence. Within my chat log, I, I leave them with no defence. The police, when I first started doing this, the police brought me into the police station and they told me that I needed to gather 23 pieces of evidence to gain conviction. And I've always stuck by that. Siddiqui, who's 44 and from Globe Road in Hornchurch in East London, pleaded guilty after appearing before magistrates in Folkestone and was remanded in custody until he's sentenced at Canterbury Crown Court. It also emerged the disgraced medic was previously cautioned by police for flashing in a London nature reserve in 2019. He was then suspended for a month in 2021 after keeping the whole incident a secret from the General Medical Council for almost two years. Well, East Kent Hospitals Trust say they're unable to comment on the case until Siddiqui is sentenced. They did confirm, however, he was employed through an agency to fill shifts as a locum paediatric doctor. Kent Online News. Other top stories today in a carer from Aylesford who stole more than £17,000 from elderly people, then spent it on hundreds of items on Amazon, has been jailed. Paul Hooper is our reporter at Maidstone Crown Court and joins me now. 
Thanks ever so much for being on the podcast today, Paul. You covered this case. Firstly, can you tell us what Emma Noble was accused of? She worked looking after two elderly gentlemen at the Royal British Legion village who were described in court as particularly vulnerable. Her job was to take care of their day-to-day needs, which including having access to their finances because they had no family members able to carry out these duties. Sadly, she took advantage of their trust by stealing their money behind their backs over a period just short of two years. And the court was told what she'd spent the money on. What sort of things was it? She'd used that money buying lots of items from Amazon, including hiking boots, uh, booze, a washer-dryer, mats bearing the logo Mercedes-Benz, perfumes, high-end household goods. Well, the list seemed endless. She used these unsuspecting victims as her own private bank account. So what was the sentence and what did the judge have to say, Paul? Well, Noble was jailed for a year. and It was clear the judge had got her measure very early on when she began asking questions which were not brought out in the prosecution's original summary of the case. These included the fact that she'd received a sizable inheritance during this period, but none of it was left in which to repay her victims. This was, as the judge commented, a persistent and despicable abuse of trust. Thanks ever so much, Paul Noble, who's 48 and from Howick Close in Aylesford, has also been told to pay compensation. You can read Paul's report in full by heading to the website. Six men have been arrested after a cannabis factory with more than 100 plants was discovered in Sittingbourne. Officers raided the property in Chalkwell Road during the early hours of yesterday after reports of people trying to break in. Police later stopped two vehicles believed to be involved at the Dartford Tunnel and detain the suspects who are aged between 19 and 21. Meantime, two teenagers have been arrested after a spate of knife point robberies in Sittingbourne. Police have been dealing with a number of reports of school children being threatened by two people wearing ski masks and demanding their phones. It's alleged to have happened near McDonald's in Millway and in Albany Road. A 14 and 16 year old have been detained. A Medway mum who had to give up her job to care for her autistic son is getting more than £5,000 in compensation after he won 10 months without going to school. The councils apologised over delays in finding alternative arrangements for the boy who left school in May 2021 following an incident. A spokesperson says it carried out all recommendations set out by the local government ombudsman. The health secretaries praised the amazing work of staff at Maidstone Hospital. Steve Barclays paid a visit, including to the emergency department, and says there's a lot he saw that could be rolled out across the NHS. He also sat down with clinical staff to discuss things like staff recruitment and training. Of course, the NHS is under huge pressure at the moment with an increase in flu cases, COVID and strep A over the winter. Now, a Medway man who credits Prince Harry with saving his life through the military games he set up has told the Kent Online podcast he fears the Prince is suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. The Duke of Sussex's book Spare is out today and details his time while serving in Afghanistan. He's been criticising for admitting killing 25 people. Well, I've been speaking to Darren Young, who was in the RAF and has competed at the Invictus Games. I think we've got to look at the bigger picture with Prince Harry. As you know, I've come onto the show quite a few times and spoke about mental health. And I think that these are key signs of possibly post-traumatic stress disorder um, with him, that he's coming out and doing it. The amount of time which I've spoken with colleagues, um, both from my time in the military and my time within the Invictus Games. And 
not many people like to talk about it. People will tell you that they've been in certain situations. There's not many people will say if they've managed to do what he said, that to kill someone. It, it is. It's extremely hard. With the military side of things, you've got to think that if someone is, and I only know this through my basic training, um, which was quite a while ago, but if someone's looking through a scope of a barrel and they see a person, do they need to start to think about it, that that's a person? Do they need to connect with him? Do they need to think about why it's happening? And all these things they've got to go through in a split second. The words what he used, I think, was um, chess pieces on a board. It, it's possibly a phrase. I, I don't know if it's a right phrase, but I think one of the things what you've got to think about is he's trying to separate himself from a person um, and an object. I mean, we talk about within the military, you take out the kingpin. Um, now, a kingpin is 10 pin ball, and it's a piece of wood at the front of 10 pins. A chess piece is a piece of wood on a, a board. And it's, we all use certain terminology which possibly means something to one person and something to another. Um, whether he said, the right thing, I don't know. It's in his opinion. I, I think we've got to have a look at the bigger picture with all of this. And I think if it was me, if it was my friend, I know I've met him a few times and I had his number, I'd give him a ring up and see um, his side of things because I, I think it's got a lot to do with his, his mental well-being at the moment. You say you've met him a couple of times. I think we've probably chatted about that. But I mean, what, what has he been like when you have met him? He has been brilliant. He's He's got a... A lot to answer to for me being here, having a chat with you at the moment. If it wasn't to him and the support would have given my family, um, Mel and Hudson, um, I don't think I would have been here. Um, I think I was in some very dark places. Um, I think over the time of the Invictus Games, um, I think if we really look at the amount of people what he's helped, um, and he is still helping, on an ongoing basis and it will go for quite a few i think the up to canada in a couple of years has already um been all set up but he's helped thousands of people um and he's kept people alive um and he's kept people with a smile on the face and he's given them a family life back and something to live for. Obviously, the Invictus Games are due to happen in Germany in September. It's a big event that an awful lot of people look forward to now. There was some concern that there'd been a bit of a security risk because of what had been said in the book. I mean, would you be at all concerned about going to Germany to compete later this year? No, I'm trying to get part of that Invictus Games journey again. I'm now going, um, hopefully, as a coach. I wouldn't think twice about it. And I'm sure Prince Harry would want it to be a huge success. He's obviously come in for quite a bit of criticism for, for writing this book and for various elements that have appeared in it. Do you think for him it's been a process that he had to go through to, to deal with the things that he's dealing with in his life? I mean, is it a bit of a cathartic exercise, I suppose, to, to write all this stuff down? Would that have helped him in some way, do you think? Yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of talk, and I know a lot of people who have raw books um, on their return. And that book, is it, it gives them a little bit of, it, it's that thought process of going through it. They, like I said, I, I don't know this. I've never been in that situation. But one of the things which I think it is, is that you're trying to justify your actions in such a way. And if you can do the thought process of you've done it because you were following orders, you're doing it to the right um, 
the right things to do at that time, that split second in time. Um, I mean, I thought about writing a book. Um, I know, like I say, James Rose, who I done Kilimanjaro with, he wrote a book um, and it helped him. There's Mark Armorod, Triple Amputee, um, Corey Mapp. There's a couple of people who I really am good friends with. And they seem to think that it does work. Um, if Prince Harry's had to do this to um, right some wrongs in his own mind uh, or put some demons to rest, not just about Afghanistan, not just about um, all the things what he's gone through now, but it, let's have a look. He's had a turmoil of a life right away from a young young boy. And I think he's done a fantastic job going forward. And I long, long, long hope that it keeps on going in that direction. Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories today. An Ashford restaurant has closed after just four weeks with bosses blaming the cost of living crisis. Street King's Smoke Shack had opened in the low-key tap room on Bank Street in November. The owners also have a venue in Whitstable but say they had no choice but to shut the one in Ashford due to rising prices and a lack of footfall. The MP for Ashford has been given a new job in government. Damien Green's going to head up the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee saying issues around online safety and gambling are high on the agenda. It's while Julian Knight is investigated by police over allegations of sexual assault. Plans to ban disposable barbecues along 14 miles of Kent Coast have been given the go-ahead. It means from April, Canterbury City Council's enforcement officers will have the power to issue £100 fines if anyone's caught using the single-use grills on beaches in Whitstable and Herne Bay. Critics have called the whole thing draconian but bosses say it will improve safety. We'd like to know what you think. You can comment on the story today by heading to the website or our socials. Now, a Kent driving instructor is calling for examiners to work seven days a week to try and clear the current backlog. Thousands of students, as you may have heard, are still waiting to take a test after delays built up during the pandemic, which, of course, is when driving lessons simply couldn't happen. Well, strike action this month has also had an impact after members of the PCS union walked out in a dispute over pay and conditions. Martin Bradford is based in Chatham and says learners are having to wait a long time. He's been speaking to our colleagues at KMTV. They're trying to do a recruitment programme where they're trying to get more examiners but I think more it's the sort of flexibility with times um, like the Saturday and Sundays they're sort of not doing uh, as normal working days they're sort of just overtime days whereas most businesses I think you'll probably agree they're open seven days a week that's the way the whole you know sort of retail side of things has gone and I think the DVSA sometimes are very far behind you know in what I was doing when I was in retail sort of 10 20 years ago, I was still working Sundays and it was part of a normal day. And I think if they did that, worked a bit longer on the hours and things, they could bring the, the waiting list down quite considerably. You're also finding that you're getting a lot of people from out of the area that are also coming to Kent. So London, they're coming over to Kent and having their driving tests here. So that's again using tests for people that are local as well. And even I've had to use, you know, um, sort of areas outside of my normal area to try and take tests like Folkestone and places like that. And so what is the impact of the backlog test having on yourself as well as your students? Again, it's very frustrating for everybody generally because you've got the impact of the fact that we may be losing out business because you've got people on the waiting list but they will only wait so long and you've got other students that are waiting to book their tests 
So you can't give your new students that want to start an exact date because you don't know when you can get a cancellation, if you can get cancellation, or people are having to have those extra few lessons where they're probably ready for the test, but they can't get the cancellations. So it's very frustrating for the students that are ready, want to get out, they've got the car waiting there, they want to start going, you know, and it's an exciting thing. Um, so I can understand the, the, the frustration on them, but there's also the frustration with us that we want to get through our students. So what happens then, the students cancel because they think, well, hold on a minute, everything else is going up, we need the money, so what can you know we let go? Well, the driving instructor, we'll just try and ring them up, and then they're wanting last minute tests, which is, you know, would you let somebody use your car last minute when you don't know them, you haven't taught them or anything like that? So, whereas normally beforehand, you would start them from the first lesson, continue throughout, and then you would take them for your test and hopefully they would pass on their first occasion. And it was a lot easier then if you did need to get another test you could do so it's having a big knock-on effect with everything definitely and so what changes do you think need to be made to help the situation of um of driving tests being backlogged and you your students sort of piling up and what changes have to be made to make that easier that, that's a, a very good question there's lots of things i personally think whether everybody will agree or not isn't end of the matter but i think that the dvsa should be working longer hours definitely i know it's difficult um sort of for when it's dark and evenings I do understand that because it's a lot more difficult for them to judge you know it's not as safe but I think Saturdays and Sundays should become a normal working day maybe look probably looking at priority for local people so if you've been you know learning to drive in the local area then you should get priority for the tests um, whereas you're getting some people that are traveling hundreds of miles to go and take tests up and down the country because that's where they can get you know their next test um, maybe, you know, taking on an, another area and opening up another, you know, test centre in an area that's sort of local. I mean, you think about where we've got here, um, you know, the, they're really spread about and this area here is a, a huge amount, you know, of coverage that that one test centre is trying to take care of and it can only take so much, you know, capacity. And unfortunately, you know, they are trying to do things like um, temporary test centres and things like that. But I think it probably needs something a little bit more permanent, um, maybe between the test centres like they used to. Um, you used to have one in Gravesend, for example, say, that went, and so you've got to go up to, you know, Sidcup. And that's a quite a long area to sort of cover. Um, you know, and to travel to. Um, you've got all people sort of, you know, going to Raynham, Sittingbourne, again, you know, would all be likely, you know, to come to Gillingham and stuff. So, yes, I think they could probably do Saturdays and Sundays as normal working days, seven days a week, maybe do four days on, four days off, that type of thing. Offer more on overtime, um, and I'm sure students would be quite happy to pay extra for the test, you know, if it is out of normal hours. They already charge extra, you know, for a Saturday or Sunday test, um, but I think they could quite easily do that without a problem. You can also watch their video report by clicking on the KMTV pages of Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Experts are being brought in to help victims of stalking and hate crime in Kent. It's part of a new four-year deal which will see victim support given a million pounds a year. They're also promising to help children and young people. Well, to get more on this, I've been speaking to Matthew Scott, who's Kent's police and crime commissioner. The stalking service was brought in specifically uh, as a result of my work um, looking at violent crime 
Um, stalking is a particularly heinous offence. It invades people's privacy in their home, in their workplace and, and in public. Uh, and there hasn't been in the past the uh, a lot of support out there. There are many charities who are doing some great work, but having that extra support available for victims of stalking is really helpful. Uh, and also for hate crime as well, giving people independent advice as to how they can navigate the criminal justice system has been important in helping advocate for them to get justice. It also mentions about support for um, children and young people, because, of course, we mustn't forget that they can be victims of crime as well, can't they? Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things that I've been working with uh, Kent Police on is supporting uh, young people better, because often in situations uh, they were treated as witnesses to crimes rather than victims in their own right. Uh, and therefore not getting always the support that they needed. Uh, so working with victim support, but also some other charities that I work with as well, we're able to provide a, a rounded service for children and young people uh, and maybe deal with some of the adverse childhood experiences that they've been facing uh, as a result of uh, being a victim of those crimes. How important is it that victims of crime have confidence within the justice system and how does this fit into all of that? Well, it's absolutely vital we give victims of crime confidence in our justice system because we want them to get justice for what's happened to them, but also we want to be able to bring suspects to account uh, and make sure that they face uh, the consequences of their actions so that we can protect them uh, and also wider society. Uh, and there are challenges with regards to victims' uh, confidence at the moment, not least because of the delays that we experience in our courts uh, and also the, the long time sometimes it takes for the evidential uh, process to continue. So charities like Victim Support are absolutely crucial because they can be a link um, for them in making sure that they get advice and guidance throughout the process. If they don't understand something, they can advise them on it. Uh, and we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to retain their confidence, not least that we give them support they need uh, and we can hold suspects to account. Yeah, because I guess it must be very frustrating when we hear about lots of cases where they've actually been dropped because a witness has decided not to pursue the case for wrong, one reason or another, and perhaps those delays are, are part of it. Are you hoping that the, the extra support perhaps that they're given might continue that process and see more offenders get the justice, as you say, that they deserve? I very much hope so. And, you know, we've got an excellent victim and witness care team in Kent Police who work one-to-one -one with victims whose cases are progressing towards court. They're doing a tremendous job in difficult circumstances to try and retain their confidence. But other organisations like Victim Support uh, play a really crucial part in that as well. So having that joined up work, we co-located our police victim teams alongside our victim support services at Compass House in Ashford, for example. Uh, so that joined up thinking, that joined up work means that we can give victims and witnesses the best possible care. The government's dismissed claims a hotel near Aylesford is being used to house asylum seekers. A number of residents say they'd seen groups of young men coming and going from the Larkfield Priory building since it closed down last year. But the Home Office has confirmed that it's not involved. Meantime, it's understood the hotel will reopen in April and is already taking bookings. A reminder for drivers, the Medway Tunnel is going to be shut overnight, less than a month after traffic chaos when it had to shut suddenly. The route linking Chatham and Stroot will be closed from 8pm until just before 6 tomorrow morning. The council say they'll be able to do more work on a cable which caused the technical systems failure back in December. Kent Online News. The former Buzz Bingo building on Chatham High Street could soon be turned into housing. A planning application's been submitted by developers 
residents who want to convert the site, which closed in 2020, into 230 flats. It would also include parking, a communal garden and play area. A decision's due to be made in April and you can see images of what it could look like by heading to the website today. Elsewhere, government officials are going to make the final decision on a controversial housing development in Sandwich. More than 400 people have objected to the plans for just over 40 homes on land near Sir Roger Manwood School. The application was rejected by Dover District Council last year. An appeal, we're told, will take place next week. A Sheppey man has managed to capture a meteor on his doorbell camera. Several people have reported seeing an orange light going across the sky last night. We can head to Kent online today to see the spectacular footage. The landlords of a popular Kent pub have announced they're selling up after 26 years of pulling pints. Ray and Sandra Cottingham say they plan to spend more time with their family after handing over the keys to the Black Lion in Appledore near Ashford. Well, Ray has been recalling when he first bought the property to reporter Leanne Castle. Well, the pub was boarded up and had been derelict for a little while. Um, there was four other pubs in the village, or three other pubs in the village. We were the fourth pub. We found it quite hard uh, opening up because the other pubs have got some sort of um, clientele, basic clientele, whereas we had nothing. And so it took us quite a few years before we could gain the confidence of customers to come in and enjoy the food that we were doing, etc., etc. But once we were established, it just grew and grew and grew. Um, so in the end, we were doing 800 to 1,000 meals a week um, at its peak. We've done lots of events. Uh, we, we started off doing pig roasts on the forecourt. Um, which was very, very successful. Every bank holiday, people got to know we were going to do a, a whole pig. We'd be full, uh, spit roasting out there. Then I decided that we would try a giant paella and we'd cook that in front, fresh from, in front of everybody. Um, and that took off and so we used to start doing that. So we incorporated pig and paella day, um, which again was successful. So it's just been a business of love really. You've poured everything you have into this business. Yeah, we have. Um, we, we've worked, worked hard. We've had some very, very good staff. Some of our staff have been with me 22, 23 years. Um, and uh, hopefully we're going to continue with the new owners. And what are you going to miss most about this place? The banter. I think the customers that come in, you get a lot of banter because they know you, your friends, and you give them as much banter back as what you get. <laughs> I think that's... A, I, I miss that. Um, 26 years is a long time. I had another pub prior to this for 15 years. And when I came here, it was totally different. Again, we, we said to start from scratch, basically, and whereas I didn't know the other one. But no, I should miss, and my wife as well. I mean, we've got more friends than what we'll call customers. So why are you deciding to sell up now? Well, I'm going to be 80 in a couple of years' time, and I've got great-grandchildren that I don't see. My daughter's always on to me that I'm always working. In fact, she came down for two days, Monday and Tuesday, to help pack and has given me a list of jobs to do and she's back again on Saturday so my head will be in the block if I don't get them done. <laughs> so you're hoping to sort of slow down a little bit now, take some well, time to yourself? Well, yeah, definitely. I'll definitely slow down and, and have more time with family. Uh, so my, my daughter lives in Essex. Sandra's got um, a lot of, lot of grandchildren, a lot of great-grandchildren. 
that we don't see, we don't catch up on. So we'll, we'll have time to catch up. So what does it mean for this place then? And what's going to happen next? Well, I think they'll probably just have a minor refurb. Um, after 26 years, it gives a new, new stamp on the place. As I say, when I came here, it was derelict. There was nothing left at all. There was no tables, no chairs, no fittings, no pictures on the walls. The bailiffs had literally stripped the place bare. So we started from scratch with kitchen equipment. We put it all in new. They'll put their stamp on it and do what they want to do. And I think they'll change it around, which won't be a bad thing. And Olivia Coleman's up for a Golden Globe tonight for her role in Kemp film Empire of Light. The movie was shot in Margate last year and opened in cinemas yesterday. She's up for Best Actress at the awards which take place in the early hours of tomorrow, our time. Kent Online Sports. Cricket and it's been confirmed Nathan Gilchrist is staying at Kent until at least the end of the 2024 season. He joined in August 2020 and has taken 63 wickets in the county championship. The 22-year-old was also part of the Spitfires winning one-day cup squad last year. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing to sign up to that just head to kentonline.co.uk and whilst you're on the site today you can read our review of kent's limitless burger which is up for being named the best in the uk news you can trust this is the kent online podcast